This time on the Internet Computer Weekly, we're joined again by Hazel Roll of The Bunched Project to discuss tokens, uh, token standards, her HZLD token, and everything that comes with that entire weighty subject. Thanks for joining me again, Hazel. Yeah, hey, glad to be back. Let's start with the HZLD token experiment. I understand this was essentially an early part of the work you were doing for Bunched, but can you describe what your goals were, what went into it, and what the result was? Yeah, so Bunched is a tokenized DAO, and we don't have a token standard yet on the internet computer. And the existing token standards are all designed around Ethereum and the way Ethereum works. And I think there's a lot of unique things that we can do differently that will really make tokens on the IC shine and you know, maybe shine in a different light. So the goal for the Pazzle, the HZLD token, was to just get an experiment out there and see how it felt to develop a token on the internet computer. So what was the experience like? Was it easy? I mean, did you use the, I understand there's a canister called the Ledger canister that you can just copy and use it to track token balances and primary IDs? Actually, no. So this was completely separate of all of that. So right now there's like, I don't know, maybe feels like a dozen people who are all drafting token standards and talking about these things. So I took my ideas, I took some of their best ideas and tried to come up with like the most basic, simple token that I could deploy on the internet computer. And so it's completely isolated from the ledger, but it does use the internet identity service. So technically, all of the people who use the Hazel token are, are using their identity that is also linked to the ledger canister, but it's a completely different identity. Okay. So what went into that token standard? What are the considerations that you need to make while designing a token standard? This is Greenfields. So overall, the experience was really simple. One of the few challenging parts of building out the token was accounting for spam. So because the IC uses a reverse gas model, there's nothing at stake for an attacker to come around and then just try to fill your canister full of like bad transactions. So essentially, one of the attack vectors is storing account principles. So an attacker could come along and then like try to fill up your token contract with just like accounts that hold a very small balance. So when you're developing out your contract, you actually need to take that into account. The Hazel token has like a one token fee, and that's purely just to make sure that somebody doesn't come along and try to create infinite accounts. Is there anything else? Is it really that simple? Just essentially a, um, a key value registry with addresses and tokens? Yeah, no, it's actually literally just that simple. And then the rest of building out the actual contract is just the ACL, or the access control layer, which is literally just as simple as, hey, is the person making the call on this contract, are they the from field on this request? So yeah, it literally is that simple. And one of the cool things that I don't think people realize is you can iterate on the contract. So I've deployed that canister maybe a couple dozen times already. And you've deployed it with the same register of token holders? Yeah, yeah, it's upgraded. So you can actually, you can define a pre and post upgrade method in Matoko and in Rust that you can use to just make sure that your data persists. So the hash map out of the box isn't a stable data store. So you have to define like an update method. But yes, so nobody lost their balances and the actual contract code has been changed. 
So this is totally unlike Uniswap, which is the canonical example, which has to redeploy all of its contracts and migrate all of its users over to a new contract. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one interesting thing, though, is you can still do that on Definity. In the future, let's say the Hazel token needs to shard its data. It wouldn't be absurd to then redeploy the contract such that the main Hazel contract interacts with this now like swarm of canisters that's actually storing the balances. You can do that, and it would be completely transparent to the users. So moving on from the um, Hazel token, what are your thoughts on NFTs and micropayments, et cetera? Are these things you've considered for the Hazel token or for Bunched? So yes, I have lots of feelings there, and I'm actually super excited about all of them. So I was working on deploying a super simple NFT platform with the Hazel token. So essentially, people could be able to come along and like spend their tokens to mint an NFT and like buy them and all these interesting things. I just I haven't had the time since I've been working so much more on Bunch recently to actually do that. Long story short, NFTs are entirely possible on the IC. They're probably going to have some unique properties to them. And one thing that I'm very excited about is the idea of an NFT with private data inside of it. Wow. So you could have private data inside of an NFT that you could then sell based on, say, a zero-knowledge proof about something that was contained within that data that is evidently of value to the purchaser or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or essentially, you could use NFTs for licensing out content. So the content would be stored in your NFT, and then there's nothing stopping that contract from spawning a new contract. So you could say, you know, I've uploaded my hit single whatever into this NFT, and then you, a developer, could say, hey, I want to license your song to play on my platform. And then a cancer can go and spawn a copy of that data for the consumer to use or the developer to use, rather. Wow, right. So then you can actually move with the song itself the rights to use it under certain circumstances, and that can Mm -hmm. just be instantly checked. That is absolutely revolutionary because right now it's just so ad hoc. Yeah, no, this is like, it's incredible to me because your contract, your NFT contract can do all these new things. It can copy itself for cheap. It can destroy copies of itself for cheap. All these things are possible and it's cheap. I think, I don't remember the exact numbers. Um, I mean, you can just divide it by 10. So if we say a gigabyte of data for year, you can divide that by 10 on both sides. You can store 100 megabytes for 10 years at the same price. You can store 10 megabytes for 100 years at the same price, right? So even with $5 a year for the storage price, when you start thinking about these discrete chunks of data like songs and pictures, et cetera, even small movies, you can store them for obscene amount of time and they're guaranteed to stay there. Yeah, this is awesome. And it saves us from the same issue of blockchain bloat that Ethereum's suffering from right now and other platforms, obviously. Yeah, just not having to worry about that bloat just makes so many other things possible. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and it's all on chain. There is no bloat. The IC can just keep scaling. In the future, we might even have specialized storage subnets with cheaper hosting prices. So yeah, it just keeps going. The critical part that I keep saying on you know, Twitter and when I'm talking to people is you can get this content on chain 
and you can control who has the ability to access it. It's all on chain. So I recall a tweet from Dom saying that there were 500 machines waiting to enter the network uh, and be assigned to a subnet. Each of those machines from memory has two terabytes of storage. Um, I'm not sure exactly, but I think that sounds right. I think it's two terabytes of RAM even. I don't think that's like hard storage. It might be that it's persistent RAM, right? Like um, Intel Optane, you know, or one of those kind of things. Yeah, it could be that. I will say I've fallen out of the know on the node hardware. Yeah, I think I asked Aurel about it. He at least mentioned that it was two 16-core processors, server processors. You'd presume that they would be simultaneously multi-threading, right? So you'd have 64 threads. And then I do remember talks of using that Intel Optane type storage. And I don't recall seeing RAM on the board that Dom took a photo of and posted on Twitter. So I think that might be the story. Yeah. But anyway, that's a huge amount of storage waiting (laughs) to be plugged into the network. Yeah, no, it is. And it just keeps growing. Like the more node providers can come on. The initial costs of the machine are, I mean, if we're talking in terms of servers, they're not that crazy, but you can just keep adding them. And in theory, data centers can just keep buying more. So micropayments. Yes, micropayments are 1,000% possible in the IC. And we have two tokens that are quote unquote primitives at the start, right? We have ICP and we have cycles. In theory, you could do micropayments, I believe, with ICP. But the more interesting vessel for facilitating micropayments to me are cycles because they have a fixed exchange rate And any method that's exposed on the IC in a canister can accept cycles. So they can essentially be used as a stable coin that can be transferred around and used to pay for various services, including the operation of a canister. Yeah, exactly. So I can talk about one really cool idea that I have in a second about micropayments and services. But there is a fee to sending cycles, but the fee is well-defined. The fee is exactly the cost of the data you're sending. So maybe you send you know, some payload and the cost to emit a intracanister call, which is well-defined. If you look at the actual source, they, um, they have a mapping that shows you what the costs are, but it's insanely cheap. I think it's like, I don't want to say a millionth of a cent, but like around there. It's next to nothing. So what's this idea? I've tweeted about this a while back, and it's still something I'm super excited about. So I guess like we'll talk in terms of like, you know, goofy names, but like imagine you're a developer and you build a foo service. And your foo service is the best on the IC at like creating foos or like facilitating this thing. Since we can send cycles in intercanister calls. So like any canister who calls your service can send cycles and you can also receive them in your canister. It's completely possible for you to develop a service that requires other canisters to send you cycles to use your methods. Meaning you can build a service, deploy it on the IC and just release like a client for interacting with it. And then other people can use or other developers can integrate into your service And you can get paid in cycles directly just for them using your service. So maybe like a real life example that might be a little bit exciting is maybe someone deploys a canister that can encode video on the IC, given like a byte stream, right? 
And then that canister can charge other consumers or other developers just for using it. Except maybe a video canister might not be the best. Let's say like an image compression canister would be a much better example. And so you can just pay to have your image compressed and that fee could be extremely small, but because many people mm-hmm. need to use that, that yep. could lead to a meaningful income stream for the developer of that service. Exactly. And here's the coolest part. It would be on a per request basis. So today we have things like that, like metered usage and stuff like that, but it's rarely down to a per request basis. So if you use it only a little bit, it's completely insignificant. If you use it a lot, maybe the costs are more significant, but everything's on a per request basis. And if you're a developer, you can essentially assure that your service will never disappear by maybe you know unsetting the controller. So, hey, you say, here's my foo service. It will always be here. And then I'll just you know withdraw my cycle sometime. Oh, so then you provably no longer have control of the canister and the services just run based on the cycles that are sent to it because some of those can go to funding it. But then there is also presumably the ability to route some of those cycles to your account as the original developer. Yeah, exactly. So the IC, when you create your updated canister, lets you set a freezing threshold. So you can also deploy this thing and forget about it and set like a one month freezing threshold. And then if your canister ever got down, essentially it would freeze itself before you could drain all the cycles, right? So it just sits there and then another consumer can come along and they would just have to top it up to get it above that threshold to use the service. I see. So that if it was going to go down, someone could rescue it if it was essential for their business operation. Yep, exactly. So it's secure, right? In every which way. Well, this leads on to a huge discussion about application composability and all of that whole stuff, which I don't think we want to go into right now, but in the future, it would be fantastic. Yeah, I would Um, love to talk about that. (laughs) Um, Let's actually schedule another time to talk about it because I know we're going to have to re-up again about Bunched because that's something I really want to pursue. You've kind of prefigured my final question, which was, how should entrepreneurs think about tokens and tokenization on the IC? So I think if you're an entrepreneur building on the IC, I think everything within reason you make should be tokenized some way at least. I think if you're building just like our simple little image compression service idea, that probably doesn't need to be tokenized. But if you're building a bigger application like Bunched or an idea that I really like and I really hope someone goes and builds is a Fiverr on the IC, I think you should be giving away the ownership of that to the people who are using it. So that's my stance. And this is really what has been figured out by all of the collaborative work that's taken place in the Ethereum ecosystem over the years. And so we have this huge leg up and the ability to stand on the shoulders of giants in that field and redeploy those ideas in this new environment with these new capabilities. Yeah, exactly. The IC is an entirely green field and a huge subset of new capabilities are going to let anyone, you know, any entrepreneur out there right now, you can go in theory and build an application that real people can use. Well, this has been another inspiring chat, Hazel. I really appreciate you taking the time, of course, especially given how busy your schedule must be. Let's follow up again in the future about Bunched and also about application composability, because that's a whole nother discussion. 
where can people find out about Bunched and the Hazel token and follow yourself as well? Yeah. So if you're interested in following along on all of this, you can follow me, Suddenly Hazel, on Twitter. That was awesome. Thank you so much. The Internet Computer Weekly has a sister newsletter featuring news, project updates, interesting tidbits and reading that come up over the course of the week. Together they are part of a larger effort at ecosystem building we are calling the Cycle DAO. Visit cycledao.xyz to subscribe and learn more.